Evening, everybody. It's Friday night. It's nine o'clock. It's time for the What's on Joe Mind team stream. As presented by Kokomo Toys, we are a fan cast about the world of G.I. Joe. How's everybody doing? Woo! Joining me in the top row tonight, uh, his he's, he's normally here. He's former head of marketing for Hasbro for the yeah. G.I. brand. It's the hot show, Mark Weber. That's what I'm talking about. And, yeah, you know, it's always good when we have the regular crew, but sometimes we like to bring in an extra Y chromosome, right? And then uh, just, you know, buff it up a little bit. So I'm excited for tonight's show. Well, we did have to keep our Canadian quotient up there. Ah, that's a good point. As you can see, joining us in the bottom row, uh, live from Montreal. Montreal. All right. And you even pronounce it right. I hate when it's like a Montreal. It's like, that's Montreal. Because I, I, I know I hate it when people say I'm from Indianapolis. So I or, just, yeah, or, or, Oregon. I get that a lot, especially out here in New England. I'm like, yeah, it's just west of Con etiquette, jackass. <laughs> hey, how's the weather out there in Oregon? Right. Uh, <laughs> only I went. I've only been to Montreal once, and when we went up there, it was right after they acquired Shea Weber. And dude, like they painted my name all over the town, every shop. I Weber don't know jersey. Who Shea Weber is? He's a defenseman for the Canadiens. Okay. Yeah, and a good one. So, I mean, how could he not? Right. But so. Sports have started already. It's that quick, but there's a Weber tie, right? They don't have any Costellos yet, but I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Thank you. No, Iriz word for no, no Irizaris, which is amazing, given the, the hockey lineage that runs through that DNA. Uh, I, well, you know, we're probably related to somebody, but, you know, but we, Lord knows we're, we're Italian, we're Irish, but there's not a, a, there's not a particularly great strain of, of Puerto Rican hockey <laughs> So we'll, but we're working on it, you know? All right. We'll get well, there. I never personally, I never even learned to skate. So I know it wasn't coming from me, but <laughs> what can you do? What can you do? I can skate. See? Well, that's required, right? Yeah, you have to, man. It's like, that's a, that's a survival skill where you're at, isn't it? I, I really don't know how I would be a dad and not know how to skate. Like my kids right. are just like, oh, hey, they put up a skating rink. I'm like, oh no. Dun, I can dun, dun. I can skate. I just can't turn. So just point me somewhere and I'll get there eventually. But as the turning thing is the hard part. I can't turn. No, actually in Arizona, they had to learn to skate with your kid for parents who don't know how to skate either. And I took my son and the first thing they did was take the kids away from the parents. Because invariably, when the kid slips, they grab for mom and dad. But the whole point of the class was mom and dad can't skate either. So they were they were pulling <laughs> parents down, down on top of them on the ice. <laughs> so they immediately separate a uh, child from parent. And uh, I got okay. To, to the point at the end, I tried to do a turn uh, with speed, a little speed. And I was in the air for so long. Like, whoo. And turned sideways, so I knew it was going to be a hip landing. And I didn't break anything, but I was sore for a month. Like yeah. Ice is designed to hurt you. Yeah, you I thought... Fast, and it's hard. I thought there was nothing, like, for a fall, nothing harder than a basketball court, right? Like, totally unforgiving if you hit it flat. But 
the ice is no joke. And uh, so I learned that that day and respected NHL players a lot more right afterwards, right? Like I knew ice is hard, right? We know that, but dude. So it's the speed of the slip. That's what makes it worse. So for about six months, I was doing uh, pro wrestling training and they were having us bumping on the concrete outside of the, uh, of the, of the ring. And that was not as bad as accidentally slipping and hitting yourself on the ice. So you're doing flat backs on the flat backs on the concrete. Yeah. Flat backs hard to do. Your instinct is to put your hands down and you will break your wrists. If you do that, you got to go across. Right. And feet to the chest feet too at the same time right to try to spread out the impact uh yeah yeah because you're supposed to be like pelvic popped feet on the ground supposed to be like this t-shape with like a gap in the middle see and i've 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 never done anything like that but i've heard if you can make the sound you're doing it right but if you land yeah you're hosed so (laughs) my friend in uh in louisville taught me that i i took a spill on the ice this winter Oh no! And uh, but but I found myself doing the pro wrestling fall, like chin in the chest. Yep, that's the important part. I got the shoulders in, so I knew that I knew they weren't going back. You know, just just took it all in the back. I was it actually kind of got everything in line back there. So it, it, I felt <laughs> I, was, I was bruised, but I was walking normally for the first time. And right? so it's a great uh, chiropractor. Yeah, was- it was it was peak peak uh pandemic so i was i hadn't been to the chiropractor in several months but man i felt I felt good the rest of that day the, well, next, while the next day really sucked i bet in uh in high school my buddy tim gates jumped out of the car at a lunch break in december and right onto some ice and i swear it took him 20 seconds to fall it was great. He fought it forever and overcorrected and overcorrected and back and forth. And it was almost like, is he doing that on purpose? And then at the end, <laughs> wham, it worse. And, but, it, but it let everybody else get out of the car and watch it and then applaud it when he finally went down. It was a solid, <laughs> solid bump. Gave it the, gave it the full Barney rubble. It was, it was outstanding. So uh, to everybody at home, thank you for joining us tonight. If you are watching us on Facebook, we appreciate it. Go ahead, give us a little thumbs up or a heart or the little huggy guy or, or something to say that you're here. Uh, that that lets Facebook know that you're paying attention. If you're watching us on Facebook, uh, go ahead, give our video a like. Uh, when we're done, go ahead, give us a, a comment down below in the big comment section. These the the live feed is is great if if you want to converse, but what really helps us in the big picture is is the main comments down down there. And of course, if you're if you're not subscribed to the channel already, please do so. We really appreciate that. We're we're getting up there now. We're we're in the six sixties. We are almost uh, Satan's YouTube channel. Nice. We're close. Didn't you just celebrate your five hundred? Yeah. That wasn't a just just done. No, that was way too yeah. long. But there are there are prizes when we get to a thousand, right, Mike? There are. I hope we can get to a thousand while there still have some value. Let's do they'll it tonight. Have, they'll have more value. Sure. <laughs> Look, man, two years ago, you could buy a complete bat on eBay for about $55. So, you know, not to touch on our pre-show discussion, but prices are going to the moon. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I don't know. Some 
we we have prizes when we get to a thousand, but I'm 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 not talking about them until we get a lot closer. So deal. Um, so spread the word if you if you're um, watching us every week. Go ahead, click that little share button and yeah, get us around to your various social media circles because it can't hurt. Yeah, if all this beefcake is too much for you to take, you can click the cry button, right? Be like, this is so beautiful, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I shave for this, right? <laughs> I did not shave. Fair enough. Weber may have, but it's hard to tell. It's you. hard to tell. I shaved my eyebrows. That's you a good start. Care. Good start. I'll get there. I'll get down there. <laughs> so, uh, what do we say? We we cover some news, gentlemen. Yeah, dude, 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 dude. Before we get to the real, the real meat of this week's episode, let's get to the news. Matthew Comstock, he's got the right idea right there. Needs to create a few bogus YouTube accounts. That's what we're talking about right there. Yeah, it works for other channels. <laughs> hey, look, I would take it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say no if somebody's offering to do that for us. Make sure I got everything added in. Oh, there we go. There's there's our there's our fake news screen. So first news item. Uh, Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins finally fell out of uh, theaters this past week, or I guess it was a week ago. So it would have been last Friday was the yeah. first day that it was, it was out of theaters. The accent on the word week. Hmm. See what, I did there? What's important is you're not bitter. Hey man, <laughs> if only there were numbers to back me up. Right. But, um, uh, finished its domestic run. $28.1 million in a little over six weeks. That's that's rough. I granted everybody's totals are depressed. That's true. This movie season. The problem was and those numbers are depressing. They certainly are depressing. Um the issue isn't so much the the number there, but it just did not move the needle at all. It didn't win its weekend, uh, which means it's really the only tent pole picture that didn't manage to do that. Uh, and it just, you know, where it, it lost its opening weekend to old from uh, M. Night I hadn't Shyamalan. even heard of old until the week it came out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I caught a pr trailer for it the week before. Um, but uh, whereas old kind of kept its staying power uh, and Black Widow kept its staying power and Jungle Cruise was kept its staying power, Snake Eyes hit okay that first week and then dropped off immediately. I mean, we were down to okay is generous. Yeah, that that last well, it, it did okay, and and it needed to do better than okay. Um, it, it's uh, you know, the last week it was in theaters, it made something like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. It was pretty terrible. So, um, the move to video on demand has been good. It's at least proved that there was an audience for this movie but I don't have any figures to give you in regards to how many dollars it made. It, are there people watching it? Like, I don't feel like anyone that I knew didn't see it in theaters. Nobody's rushed to watch it on demand. I agree with you, but we're also a little bit too far in on that. Like we're Joe guys. Right. So the people that we hang around with either saw it in the theater or are waiting for it to be on rental, right? They're either, if they saw it in the theater or they're not going to the theater because they don't think it's safe, right? 
Like we're not plugged into the, hey, you know what? Maybe Snake Eyes on demand kind of crowd. We're not we're not yeah. tuned into that on the fence bunch. But you right. gotta believe that was Paramount and Hasbro's fondest wish was that this would be appealing to the walk up audience, yeah. right? And it, and it was it wasn't. It, it needed to win its week. It needed to yeah. to win its opening week, and it really didn't come close to doing that. But true to its trailer, and a lot of trailers are misleading, it was on a new level. Just, <laughs> it just on a new level. It was a lower level. We were not quite. Yep. <laughs> we on the express elevator to hell. Going down. Yeah, rack time, Rob. Filling in the blanks there. You never get on demand or streaming numbers. The studios never put those out. Occasionally they do. When it's a when it's a big, big win like Black Widow was, they put those numbers out. Didn't they say, I thought I read that Snake Eyes won its week streaming-wise, right? Like it was the most streamed movie for the week it went yes. first became available. Yeah, that's that's what I so, heard too. I can't back that up with anything though, so I'm not, I'm not pushing that narrative real hard. Yeah. So it feels like the last two movies found their audience because they were just constantly just playing on one movie channel or another. You could always find Rise of Cobra or Retaliation. And it eventually got this casual audience who you were just always in the mood to watch these movies if you were flipping the channels and you came across it. Could could Snake Eyes find that kind of audience somehow? It's possible. Look, they keep putting Rise of Cobra and Retaliation on cable TV because people keep watching it on cable TV. Yeah. So, I mean, granted, those numbers are never going to be huge, but they must be getting some kind of an audience. Right. They're still like Rise of Cobra is more than ten years old. It's it's yeah. two thousand nine that came out, and you still see it cycle through on on what American movie classics and TBS yeah. and TNT, and it <laughs> makes the run through all that stuff. I mean, American movie classics is perhaps the most misnamed network on <laughs> television right now because just so long as you're an American movie, you you qualify for right. American classics. Well, it's there's not- a. There's a reason why TBS was nicknamed the Beastmaster Station back in the 80s. Because play those hits, baby. But you know yeah. what? I think the, the biggest difference, and, and I was there when they were doing kind of the autopsy of it, They at Hasbro, they believed that that walk-up audience that was there theatrically for Rise of Cobra domestically in, in the U.S. and Canada was not there for retaliation. The people who just walked by and went, oh, G.I. Joe, yeah, my brother played with that. Let's check it out. Eh, They didn't like it. And when the sequel came out, they didn't get those people. They still got the diehards. And it did better internationally, maybe due to The Rock. But I feel like Bruce Willis still had the last thread of of prestige to his name when he was was in retaliation. Yeah. Yeah. Remember when we first heard Bruce Willis was going to be in retaliation? It was kind of a big deal. Yeah. We were so, excited. Made a toy of him. It couldn't have, it couldn't have been a small thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, t- they made a toy of John McClane and they pretended it was Joe Colton. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, they're, they were filling a need. <laughs> they were filling a need. Next news item. Do, 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 do. Do. Hey, this is, hey. this is Mark Weber's favorite piece of GI Joe ephemera. <laughs> like how small they are. Right. That is the Jada Toys full nano miniature diecast statue set. This 18 piece set con- includes G.I. Joe's Duke, Snake Eyes, Scarlet, Doc, Dusty, Barbecue, 
Roadblock, Flint, and Lady J. And Cobras, Storm Shadow, Cobra Commander, Baroness, Destro, Firefly, Bat, Cobra Trooper, Zartan, and Serpentor. That's nine of each. Uh, set is available at Big Bad Toy Store and other retailers for pre-order for $24.99. I stole Big Bad Toy Store's video or uh, image, so I, I'll go ahead and give them the plug. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you can see them all in there in their kind of sloppily painted, poorly detailed <laughs> glory. Um, if the, if this is your thing, it's very affordable, $25. Yeah. You Did wanna... they fix the typo on the package? They were calling him Serpento. <laughs> in the image there it says serpentor so i don't oh, know if that, i don't know if that's a, <laughs> i don't know if that's a quick photoshop fix or not but it said serpentor he's doing the coffin drop which is kind of exciting but yeah. but yeah, i'm not i'm not a huge fan of these per se but 25 bucks for 18 of them a good variety of guys, some, you know, the, the A-plus guys, but also some you may not have guessed. Okay. Yeah. Not hurting anybody. Yeah. It's part It's part of the everybody else is going to make a bat except Hasbro experiment. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it's not my thing either, but if you're going to put out something like this, the price is certainly right. I do like the the posing and the positioning of Zartan and Serpentor in the packaging. It's almost like Zartan read the original comic books. <laughs> just, just he's all set. I got something for you, Serpentor. He's not doing a bow this time. He's just gonna <laughs> plug him with his pistol. Pop right there. Maybe he already did. Check out Serpentor. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's uh, he's going full Count Dracula there. Yep. It's got some serious armor on. I, it's, I know it's tough to see uh, in the, the image I've got there, but from, from my vantage point, I get to see it a little bit bigger. There are some, There's some serious armor on that Serpentor, so maybe not. Maybe Serpentor is ready for him this time. Scarlet's right-handed, so we, you know, <laughs> I'll give him that. What's, what's important is there, Mark? You're not better. Just, I'm just saying. Anyway. Oh my goodness! Next news item, dude, dude. Yeah, that that's good too because it it is a bit of a of a somber news item. Oh, yeah. Um, we have the the passing of Bob Prupus, the longtime Hasbro executive who oversaw GI Joe's relaunch in the early 1980s, passed away on August 27. Uh, Mr. Prupus started his career in the supermarket management before transitioning to retail. Eventually, he made his way off the sales floor and was working as a toy buyer when Hasbro hired him as a marketer for basic toys in 1978. Mr. Prupus helped establish the boys' toys division at the company and was named vice president in 1980. He was largely responsible for reviving G.I. Joe in 1982 as a real American hero, as well as convincing Hasbro to partner with Takara to introduce Transformers to the United States in 1984. In 1988, Mr. Prupus was sent to London as Hasbro's first senior vice president of European marketing and returned to the U.S. in 1992 as senior vice president of Hasbro's import division until his retirement in the late 1990s. During his career, he was honored with awards from many industry organizations, including the American Marketing Association, the International Film and TV Festival, and many others, and also won several telly awards for TV commercials. Afterward, Mr. Prupus enjoyed swimming 
and bronze sculpting and was a guest at the G.I. Joe Collectors Club convention in 2010 and 2021. Uh, colleague Kirk Bazigian said, Bob was a friend and a mentor to many of us young marketing executives at Hasbro Toys. He had a dream of bringing back G.I. Joe, so he assembled a small team and with his motto, no guts, no glory, he convinced a reluctant Stephen Hassenfeld, that was Hasbro CEO, to take a chance on a new version of the iconic toy classic. The success of both G.I. Joe and Transformers gave Hasbro the firepower it needed as leverage to acquire rival Milton Bradley. This led to many other acquisitions that put Hasbro on the path to become the toy giant it is today. Bob Prupus was a legend, and no other person besides my own father had such an impact on my life, end quote. Um, special thanks to G 3D Joes and Carson collecting information for this report. Bob, Bob Prupus was 93 years old. Good run. Yeah, absolutely. And Dan Klingensmith had a, had a post on Facebook that talked about his career too. And one of the things that I wasn't, I didn't know and learned was how hard he fought that the GI Joe relaunch had to be military because there was a lot of push internally that it should have been the adventure team kind of thing, that it should have been action and adventure, but that now wasn't the time for a military toy. And Bob was a, you know, a thousand percent behind. No, it has to be military. So the reason why we got tanks <laughs> is because Bob would not let it be. I don't want to say less because the adventure team stuff was fantastic too and has its place, but, at its core, G.I. Joe has almost always been a military brand, and he made sure that's where the relaunch, uh, the direction it came from. Yeah, we tend yeah. to celebrate the creatives who did a lot of contributions to the cartoons and the comics and whatnot, but really the people on the marketing side, on the Hasbro side of it, they really did have a passion for this brand. Like, this is not something that they were just doing to check a box and get a new toy out. They you, you had to really believe in it. You had to believe in it in a way that you understood how kids see it. You had to believe in it in a way that you had to convince toy retailers and people from the business side what is so great about this product. So some of the most passionate people for G.I. Joe are the people who were working at Hasbro at the time. And I think that and in my career, that's when I found uh, that the toys really take off is when we have to have a good property, basically, or have created a good property. But it's when you can have that sync between marketing and design because it's kind of rare it's rarer than you think uh and you can absolutely tell when uh when the two are not in sync or when one cares more than the other so it, it really is uh a credit to almost everybody who was involved with the relaunch of gi joe that they were all simpatico and got along and respected each other and respected kind of the trust they were given in in bringing back this thing that was once phenomenal and had faded away so to, to all of them yeah we owe a, a big debt of gratitude and and especially this week to bob now yeah. mike this picture's got sarge and fridge was bob purpose the one that decided gi joe needed celebrity members of the team offhand i don't know i i don't believe so um, but really I'd have to talk to people that knew what was going on there a little bit better at the time. That, it's a story I don't know. And when you think about it, that's one of the craziest things about the development of GI Joe in the eighties that they just brought in these real people and almost brought in Rocky mm -hmm. as members of like a completely unaffiliated toy line. And 
somebody had to sit down and think that up. And I'd love to know who that was and why they thought that was a good idea. Because it was. It was great. I love it. I love the Sarge because of it. But I never in a million years would have understood why that happened. Yeah, I, I know Kirk Bazigian gets a lot of credit for that. But honestly, he's probably the guy to ask. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. But he would certainly know where to where to delegate the appropriate praise and credit. I might need to reach out to Kirk Bazigian. Start with the marketer. We know what's going on. <laughs> You're not biased, though, ever. You know how many marketers it takes to change a light bulb? Go on. Just, just one. We hold it up and the world revolves around us. But um, <laughs> Okay. So, uh, yeah, rest in peace, Bob Prupus. Thanks, Bob. And that brings us to uh, our, our, that's the end of the news. Do, do, do. So that uh, brings us to to what we're here for tonight. Yeah, the main event. And that uh, last weekend was Renegade Con Virtual Special Edition. That is still a mouthful. It is. Yeah. You got to. Virtual you gotta edition, special edition. Virtual special edition. Because I don't think there's any virtuals that aren't also special as far as Renegade Cons go. I don't know. You seen PulseCon lately? Oh. <laughs> We, we will on October 21st. I can't wait. Oh, that's that's our surprise post sock for later. So uh, we'll not, not so much. Not It's slightly less surprising now. I but, saw nothing. Uh, I didn't leave it up there long enough for anybody to read it. But um, so Renegade Con was last weekend. Ryan, big success for you guys. Oh, man, huge success. Like, first of all, days before we got covered in Forbes which uh, I never thought anything I would be associated with would be covered on the Forbes website. But apparently there's enough buzz in tabletop role-playing games right now that uh, Forbes has a whole gaming division. And they were like, all right, we got this new licensed property coming out. Uh, all these Hasbro brands, Power Rangers, G.I. Joe, and Transformers, and this brand new role-playing system, Essence 20. And they got the scoop. So a couple of days before Renegade Con, the place to find all the information about what we were going to be talking about at Renegade Con was uh, was announced on Forbes. So, yeah, that, that was a great start to the weekend. And then from there, like, technically, things went off without a hitch. And we just went from panel to panel, revealing just tons of information. Stuff that I didn't even know about. Uh, maybe we should take a step back and say I was one of the authors on the G.I. role-playing game. I don't think I properly introduced myself. They know. It's, it doesn't hurt, but they know. Okay, they know so yes, it. I was one of the authors of the Judge role-playing game. I was one of the designers of the Essence 20 system, and Renegade Con was really our uh, our coming out party, uh, where we went into a lot of details about the system. I didn't know how much we were going to get into, but we like built a G.I. Joe live on the air for the audience. Um, I, I was there in a panel with Elisa and Brian just talking about how the system works, uh, answering some questions there. We got to see a lot of the miniatures, which I have pictures of and we can get into later. Just a lot of product reveals. Like, uh, it was exciting to see this stuff finally get out there and also to see other stuff that I've just like, I'd heard we were developing miniatures. I'd heard uh, these things about dice, but I hadn't seen most of these products. And I, I've seen very little of the Power Rangers and Transformers stuff. So 
uh, as like a contributor to the brand, uh, to, to the Essence 20 system and to the, the role-playing games, it was exciting. And now it's just a fan of what Renegade is putting out for these systems. It was super exciting to watch and to see the reaction, which was one of the most overall positive things I've ever been a part of. Like there was a lot of noise out there and it seemed like just everyone was excited. They were curious. People that weren't into role-playing games were like, I might check these out. Sounds up my alley. People that are into role-playing games are like, oh, I don't really know these brands, but the system sounds interesting. So I'm going to figure out which of these three brands speaks to me the most. It was just like, as far as like announcements, it was one of the, the smoothest and most positively received that I've ever seen. Awesome. I mean, anything that's positively received from Jump on the internet mm -hmm. is kind of ridiculous, right? Because right? we all know uh, what direction the internet tends to skew. So that's 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 amazing that it, not just that it came off so well, but that it was so well received. That had to be really encouraging. Oh, it was it's like because you don't know. Like this was very much designed by committee, which I am not used to. It was like. Uh, Actually, let me list off all the people that designed the system. So it was Lisa Teague, who was a senior producer of role-playing games at Renegade Studios. Her assistant, uh, sorry, the associate producer, Trivia Fox. Those are the only in-house people that designed the systems. And then it was freelancers, myself, uh, Ben Heisler, who was another author on G.I. Joe. Gabe Hicks, who was an author on, I think he was on Transformers. Uh, Paige Lightman was also on G.I. Joe. J.F. Sambrano was on Transformers. Uh, Brian C.P. Steele was on Power Rangers, T.J. Storm was on Power Rangers, and Eddie Webb was on Transformers. And so the bunch of us, all of these creative type A personalities, just kind of having to scrap the system together as we were also defining how this system that doesn't exist yet would work for our each individual brands that we were all big fans of. Uh, it was like such an interesting struggle. And there were definitely times where it was like, you'd finish a meeting and it's like, I don't think any of us are on the same page and you get concerns that this is just going to fall apart before it ever gets built up into anything. But we eventually, we found our groove, the system really came together. Uh, and then each individual brand really found the way to carve out their niche in what this system that is supposed to be like applicable to as many different brands as, as uh, renegade can get licenses for. Um, yeah. So like that came together and it's like, okay, maybe I'm too close to this, but I actually think we've developed something really fun here. And it really wasn't until it got out there to the general public that it was like confirmed that I could be like, oh, good, I could be proud of this. This isn't <laughs> something that is just going to show up on like discount bins in the back of game stores that people are like, oh, yeah, there was a G.I. Joe role playing game. <laughs> I'm just I'm excited about hearing about Trivia Fox and T.J. Storm because I was pretty sure they were the world tag team champions. <laughs> but so T.J. Storm's day job is a Hollywood stuntman. And if you See? saw uh, Punisher Warzone, the one with, um, oh, what's his face? Ray Stevenson. Ray mm -hmm. Stevens? Ray Stevenson. Mm -hmm. um, so at one point, there's like these three guys who just committed crimes, and now they're celebrated by doing parkour through the city. And then uh, Punisher blows one of them up with a rocket launcher as he's doing a flip between buildings. And then he interrogates another guy. That other guy he's interrogating is TJ Storm. TJ Storm also did the motion capture for Godzilla in the recent run of Godzilla movies. <laughs> No and way. he did the adventure for the Power Rangers book. He was a very exciting person to be working with. I would love to watch Godzilla with my son and say, see that? That's me. That's your old man. <laughs> I, just... I've seen some of the motion capture things where he's just like fakes, like he mimes breathing fire. And then the uh, three-headed guy is uh, the three-headed dragon monster of Godzilla. Gid uh, Ghidorah. 
Ghidorah, yeah. So then Ghidorah is like three guys just kind of like huddled together, reacting like they've just been blasted. It's a fun video. I'll I'll see if I can share it. I've seen it on his Facebook page, and I don't know what the sharing status is. But yeah, so Godzilla co-designed the Essence 20 role-playing system with and me and several other very talented And it's going to be a monster, right? <laughs> yeah. See what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> so, Ryan, about uh, if you're going to put a guesstimate on there, how many... How many sets of eyeballs did you get on the product this weekend? I don't even know how to estimate that. Thousands. They were definitely uh, in the thousands of live viewers. And the uh, the videos have been archived to Renegade's Twitch channel. And I was told that they would be posted to, the, to their YouTube channel within the week. But so far, the only thing that's been posted was the Power Rangers actual play session. So um, I have a feeling that people at Renegade just needed some decompressed time after Renegade Con. And so maybe we'll start seeing those uh, showing up this weekend. So for anyone that missed it, it is available on Twitch at a very low quality. I was surprised. I don't know if it's a Twitch thing right now or if it's just how the video saved. And then they'll start showing up to YouTube. Or actually, maybe the, the quality problem on Twitch is the reason we haven't seen it on YouTube yet. Could be. Could be. Well, you, we, we Lord knows we certainly are technically inclined enough on this show to make guesses on that one. No. <laughs> no, not at all. No. Yeah, that's no. Joe that's Joe's department. She's elsewhere. But uh, beyond the con, I know that the Forbes article was really circulating all around both the like the G.I. Joe sphere, the Transformers fans, the Power Rangers fans, and the RPG fans. So like everyone that we wanted to be looking at this, they saw that Forbes article as soon as it released, which is really like the first official word since a year ago when it was announced kind of quietly that Renegade had these licenses and there was no real uh, outline of what their plan was for these licenses. And then COVID hit. And so like, you know, people just were not sure what the, what the timeline even looked like for these games at that point. And now we're getting close to production time and Renegade's actually being very, um, very honest with how it's logistics. They're saying like, we think that they're going to come out January for Power Rangers, February for GI Joe, March for Transformers. But we're in the middle of a global shipping crisis, and so those are our realistic target dates, but we cannot promise them. We're just saying February-ish, March-ish. And so, like, with all of that stuff, just kind of like this dark cloud that's hanging over the RPG industry in general, it's nice that Renegade seems to have a hit on their hands and that they are addressing the legitimate concerns that uh, that people who are interested in these games would have but when they'll actually get them in their hands they also they put them up for pre-order everything is up for pre-order now in the united states only so i couldn't even pre-order these if i wanted them right now and again it's because realistically shipping is super expensive and they don't want to you know they don't want to lose money shipping internationally they also don't want to uh, charge people more for shipping than for the products themselves so they're like we will eventually be getting these all of the pre-orders have like a pre-order bonus and they are holding back a bunch of those pre-order bonuses for when international shipping becomes available, but they are really waiting until the overall shipping around the world uh, settles down a little bit and people can get these things for uh, a more reasonable price. But if you can't wait for the game, you don't have to because uh, they've partnered up with Roll20, which is a virtual tabletop. And so you can get digital versions of the rule books through Roll20, and you can start playing them as soon as the games uh, eventually do get released. So in that January, February, March release window, either immediately when people actually do get them in hands or 
slightly before people get them in hands, they'll be available to, uh, as a digital content through Roll20. There you That's go. Great. There you go. See? Take, there, there's your question getting answered, Adam Kuzik. There you go. Right? Bam. Boom. Yeah. Now sit down. Right. You're rocking the boat. <laughs> I'd Costello drop the mic on you. See what I did there? Nicely, nicely. I didn't even see his comment. I just seemed like the next natural thing to talk about. <laughs> so Ryan, what we're what we're gonna do today is just have you go through the just the, the real bare bones. I don't want you to recreate the whole thing that you did last weekend, obviously, because you just got done with it too. Right. But we are we're we're gonna kind of glaze past the the Power Rangers and Transformers entries, not not because we don't think our fans would love those too, but we're a GI Joe show. That's where we're gonna try and keep most of the focus on. Yeah. But well, first, also it took Renegade two days of a convention to cover all of that. So yeah. Yeah. let's just talk about GI Joe because that was yeah. you know a significant portion of the con. I was actually very encouraged about that. I thought it was going to be much more Power Rangers heavy because that was the first game that's coming out, and it seems to be the one that has the most buzz. But GI Joe had a really good showing at the con. But uh, before you get into that, uh, wait, no. tell, tell us a little bit more about how Essence 20 works. All right. So Essence 20 is a skill-based role-playing game system. So uh, Essence 20 itself as a system is the like the, the, the mechanics behind all of these different games and any other game that we can get the license for. Um, there are four main stats for your character. These are called your essences. It's your strength, your speed your smarts, and your social. Uh, and a couple of things about that. I love that we took the stupidest word for smart, for intelligence in the smarts. Um, and the reason we did that was that we had the four S's, and that's where essence comes from. You have your four S's, which is the essence of your character. And so um, you have these, these uh, like your ability scores would be the equivalent in Dungeon Dragons, your stats, and it represents just the core of how your character you know operates in the world. So if you've got a high strength character, guess what? You're good at punching things. You're good at carrying things. You're uh, kind of intimidating. If you've got a high speed character, that's where acrobatics comes in. That's where like using swords and more finesse weapons comes in. If you have high smarts, you're the scientist. You're, uh, you know, about culture. You're the exposition guy. And if you have high social, you're the face of the group. You're the one that's giving orders, tricking people, negotiating with people. Um, and, oh, and also dealing with animals, if that's your thing. So, uh each of these stats has skills in it. And every time you increase the stat, you gain these skills. And every time you improve your skills, what you're doing is you're improving the die you roll when you're trying to do something related to that skill. So if we're talking about athletics and you have to climb up a wall, you would roll a d20 because that's what the 20 in essence 20 is for, plus your skill die. So if you're very good at it, you might have an eight-sided die, a 10-sided die, a 12-sided die, a really big number die. If you're only okay at it, you might have a D8 or, a, uh, sorry, eh, D8's okay, but you might have a D4 or a D2. These are all terms that if you are a role-playing gamer, you know it. If you're not familiar, just you've probably seen uh, just a pile of D&D dice and they're all different shapes. The fewer the size, the weaker the die is what you have to know. Uh, and so you roll the two dice together, which is nice so that you never have to call them a die. You could just say roll the dice and uh, it's, it's grammatically correct, which is good because I hate die as singular for dice. Uh, Matt Rubin is asking about D2. Yes, there are D2s. Uh, I actually, you know what? I will skip ahead to the picture we've got of the dice. So this, these two disc looking things, that's actually two sides of the same coin. It's a D2. It's a coin flip. Uh, G.I. Joe is a two. Cobra is a one. 
So uh, yeah, when you're trying to accomplish something, you roll a d20, you roll uh, your skill die, and you add them together. And that's the only math you'll be doing in the game. So the most you'll have to worry about is like a d20 plus a d12. And, and the it, obvious question here, what's yes. the what's the Joe logo on the dice? Dice. Uh, you're looking at it. Right. And what does that what does that mean if I roll a 20 and a D12 and I get the Joe logo? Oh, okay. So that is a critical success. And that okay. means that even if you don't hit the the target number, the difficulty or the diff, then uh, you still succeed. Okay. And one thing that's extra cool, and this is something that uh, was a combination of TJ Storm and Paige's, uh, Paige Lightman's ideas is that the problem is that getting a d12 like shows that you're really good at a skill but it just means that you could succeed better at the really high stuff but not more reliably at baseline stuff and so Paige came up with the idea of the uh the specialization where you just roll a handful of dice so if your skill rating is like a d8 but you are specialized in it so like it, go back to that climbing example if you uh, have a d8 in athletics and a specialization in climbing, then when you're trying to figure out that if you manage to climb that thing, you're just taking the handful of dice, the D20, the D2, the D4, the D6, and the D8, everything up until your stat in that uh, in that skill. And you just roll it all, and you're taking the highest one. And if you get any of those G.I. Joe uh, logos, like that means that you've critically succeeded, and you automatically pass. So it um, kind of like flattens the curve, and it says that like if you're specialized in something, odds are you're going to succeed just about every time. No, I dig that. Like, like your example, climb the wall. Well, if you're if you have created a character like Alpine or Hit and Run, you should nail that wall climb pretty much every time. Yeah, even so, if it's extremely, yeah, even if it's extremely difficult. And that's where TJ's contribution to this is, where we were talking about whether we should do like just bonuses or whatever. And it was like, well, if it goes up and up and up, that doesn't that wouldn't affect him as a stuntman where. He needs to reliably do the dangerous thing every single time because if he misses it one in 20 times, he's dead. And right. so he really wanted something that is like, if we had a stuntman game, how do we make sure the stuntman survives doing a day job of stunts? And so that's why this specialization with, uh, with the really like flat pr probability curve uh, really like it really clicked with us. And just like if you're if you're tactile, if you really like just having a handful of dice, like that is just going to be super satisfying to throw them all on the table. It's a nice feeling in the hands. It's a nice sound when it rolls. It's something I am <laughs> really looking forward to doing when I'm getting the chance to play it. I think I'll be running this as the game master for the maybe first couple of years that it's a game, but eventually other people will be good enough to game master this game, and I'll get to sit back and be a player. Never, never. All right, no. It's always hard, always hard to shake that GM or DM tag, right? Yeah, for I, was, I was always the dungeon master, always when we were kids. Like, ugh. hey, Webb, you want to run another campaign? Oh boy, I guess can't. And finally, we let one other guy do it—the guy who was usually the Minotaur, and he wasn't any good at. It, so. <laughs> Just kept putting you in mazes. Yeah, exactly. Another maze, Jimmy? Jeez. <laughs> So uh, that's the Essence 20 system. Did you want to talk more specifically about G.I. Joe? Yes. Oh, actually, no, there's Definitely. a major component of character creation that's also universal across the games. So um, when you're building your character, you have three main decisions for who your character is. They're your role, your origin, and your influences. So role is the big one. It's like if you're playing Snake Eyes, your role is you're a commando. If you're playing Jinx, your role is martial artist. If you're playing Duke, your role is officer. 
Uh, so we have eight roles, and then within all of those roles, we've got three things called focuses, which is, uh, I, I believe, exclusive to G.I. Joe. I'm not sure if Transformers also picked up on it. But so if you're an officer, you could be, uh, I don't know why I picked officer. Uh, that's not a great example. So commander, you've got spy, sniper, and something else. Those are the focuses. So that's the idea. If you pick your, your role, and then you get to specialize even further within there. So that's your main thing of what it says on like the front of the package. Then origin and influence is when you flip it over, you're reading the file card and you're getting more specific information about their training and who they are as people and what they were before they were GI Joe. So origins in uh, GI Joe terms is what branch of the military you were in before you were in GI Joe, or if you're a civilian, what you did as a civilian that really caught the attention of GI Joe. So were you, did you train at the Arashikage temples? Were you just like a, a standout scientist? Uh, things like that. Or, you know, are you just, were you in the military? Were you in the Navy? Were you in the, the Air Force? And then influences is one of the most fun tools because it's just like, this is your personality or these are the things that happened to you in your life that affected you in a big enough way that it really influences you as a character. So if we're talking about Ace, that's where his gambling comes in. He's not just a really good pilot, but he's also someone that likes taking risks, that really knows probability and is a great card player as a result. And then you get a bonus that relates to like, if you're playing in the game and it's like, you know what, this is a situation that my experience as a gambler really helps me out. Then you'd work with your GM and you'd get the bonuses that are applied to, uh, the, I believe, Thrill Seeker is the name of the influence that Ace would take to represent him being a gambler. So uh, yeah, it's always about like, really just trying to balance um who the, the personality of the character the thing that makes them stand out as well as you know what would sell them as an action figure to someone that's going in the toy aisle and really wants to pick them up if you were using and this is theoretical yeah. a well-known character like let's say snake eyes yeah. can you adapt him like if you didn't want him to be like an honorable commando ninja and <laughs> wanted to make him more of a backstabbing manipulative jewel thief you know just as an example off the just, top of your head throwing that out there completely is that, out is that possible yes so i've Excellent. actually made three different versions of snake eyes one of them is a uh, ranger and that's the one that's really focused on him and his relationship with timber because rangers can get uh pets and uh, one of the pets you can get is a wolf um and so i had him his origin is a rashkage to get the ninja side of it in and then ranger to go with his you know when he was on the long range recon patrol uh, plus, uh, being in a Rashikage, I believe, gives him access to some more of the uh, martial arts weapons. So that's one version of the character that I made. And uh, I'm just drawing through the influences to see if there's anything that represents Jewel Thief. Oh, yeah, Checkered Past. So there we go. To give him, you can give your characters up to three influences. If you give one, then you just get the influence. Every influence after the first one comes with a hang-up to show that uh, for all the good that this did with you, it also kind of has its issues. So let me just quickly load up checkered past here uh your perk is you think outside the box compared to traditional joe thinking gain an edge on smart skill tests when looking for weaknesses flaws and securities or hidden items so uh, edge is you roll 2d20 and you take the higher of the two when you're making your skill test and smarts is uh, so anything that is a smarts based skill so uh yeah that would be the benefit of having this checkered pass but your hang up is that authority figures are just waiting for you to lapse back into your old ways. You suffer a snag on social tests when trying to convince uh, figures such as police, commanders uh, above your squad, and others of your of your character. 
Okay. Very cool. Yeah, and a snag is the opposite of an edge. You roll 2d20 and you take the lesser of the two. All right. Beachhead's a ranger. We need to get him a pet. What do you think, Mike? Go for it. So uh, you don't have to take a pet as a ranger. There's, uh, let me just load up the ranger here. Some of the focuses include, uh, no, I missed it. I'm still missing it. There we go, ranger. So the three ranger focuses are Beastmaster. So that's the one that gets a pet. Uh, Predator. Predator is, in fact, in our list of G.I. Joe examples at the beginning of Ranger, Beachhead is listed as a predator. And so they're people that when they're out in the jungle, they are experts at creeping up on people using stealth and surprise to their advantage. All right. That makes sense. I like it. And so the last of the uh, Ranger's focuses is Scout. Just to, to put a bow on that. Oh, Beachhead. Ooh, ah. Snuck up on me. <laughs> right? See? <laughs> he couldn't have done that with a pet pig I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think what he would have i'm thinking razorback right arkansas I'm, i just yeah, well i mean i keep thinking in my head that uh like you put beachhead in the clint eastwood role in every which way but loose with a monkey with, with the orangutan that's <laughs> perfect just just going around then he ah, got me in trouble again and my crotch broke and my crotch broke <laughs> Weak weaknesses, broken garage, limits mobility. Right. <laughs> also drafty in cold weather environment. I could do something like that for like an April Fool's Day blog post. That's a broken crotch, broken thumbs. Mm -hmm. Roll with it. Roll with Bro it. Broken thumbs can no longer drive vehicles. <laughs> Well, no, which that's, is, which that's, is ironic because when my figures broke their thumbs, that's all they ever got to do. Yeah, that's the, the, yeah, they could just rest on the steering wheel. In fact, you it. get better at driving a vehicle. Yep. Oh, Zap, you didn't really didn't want to hold that bazooka. You get to drive the vamp. Don't that's crash what he gets it for holding it one handed because he doesn't have a swivel yet. <laughs> right. Don't crash it. Clutch will be so mad. Anyway, Let's see if I can find a uh, find Mark's Mark's uh, soundbite here. It's a good one. Probably my best contribution. There was a, a comment asking if there would be a source book for created characters from the Joe universe, like officially from Renegade. So like, like I'm a monster battle. I take no guff. And my crotch just <laughs> <laughs> His lips weren't moving, but sound was coming out. What's happening? Right? Ventriloquism. It's one of my key skills. I found I found the fly. I found this file. Yeah. Anyways. So uh but, we don't have a plan for a source book with all the characters as NPCs, but I do have a plan for a blog, and I've already talked to Renegade about this uh called 3i Joe. And I would take a, a G.I. Joe character and I would show three different ways that you could build them using our rules. That's cool. Thank you. There you go. So it's either something that's going to show up on the Renegade website or it's something that I'll put on my own website, uh, No Direction, which is a, um, a podcast and blog network dedicated to Pathfinder role-playing game. But, you know, now with my association with Essence20, it's going to definitely branch out into more Essence20 coverage as well. So just a reminder to everybody paying attention out there live. Uh, if you're following us on YouTube, by all means, please give our video a like, give our channel a subscribe. If you're watching us on Facebook, 
give us a thumbs up or a heart or a little huggy dude. Uh, just let us know that you're there. Let them know that you're here so they keep spreading the word and, and doing our PR work for us. So, Ryan, we, we, we hung you up a little bit on, on, on the Essence 20 here. You were going to say something about the source book itself. I was? I don't know. You had a graphic. so I Oh, assume, yeah, of course. I assume there was something connected to it. Well, we've got the, the cover. And uh, unfortunately, Scarlet is left-handed. But you know what? That's a role-playing game. If she's you want to yeah, she's about the known characters, you can just do it. You've got the power. She's amphibious. She can do anything. Wait. <laughs> yeah, that's the word. Yeah, I figured. Stick, stick with that, R-Truth. I dig it. So there's one thing about this cover that for I thought people would really be talking about, and no one's really pointed it out. And that's that Snake Eyes' sword is on fire. And uh, the story there is that that actually came from Hasbro. There was uh, like a series of art assets. And it's like, when you're using these characters, go in this direction. For example, here's Snake Eyes and here's his flaming sword. And I assumed like, oh, that must be a spoiler for the Snake Eyes movie, which hadn't come out at the time. And I knew his sword's name was like uh, Mor Bright Morning, Morning, uh, I forget what it is now. Morning Light. Morning Light, yes. Morning so light. that sounds like a sword that could catch fire. And from the trailer, there was a lot of fire in the movie. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I've got to be used to having this inside information on the brand now. So I'll get the movie spoiled for me. But no, no, Snake Eyes never had a flaming sword. I have no idea why the Hasbro provided art has him with a flaming sword. But as luck would have it, we have rules for customizing weapons. And one of the things you can do is get your sword or any of your melee weapons to just burst into flames, be covered in acid to deal cold damage, things like that. So... Uh, the fact that that's not a recognizable characteristic of Snake Eyes does not deter the fact that that totally fits in with the role-playing game that he's on the cover of. We were told that uh, when I was on Transformers that there would be a huge movie moment where Optimus Prime became Silver Knight Optimus Prime to the hmm. point that we sold Target on it as their exclusive program. You're the only one that will have Silver Knight Optimus. And we made toys of Silver Knight Optimus. And in the end, they canned it from the movie and didn't tell Hasbro. Which they must have canned it way, way in advance. Yes. My son still has a Silver Knight Optimus shirt that was sold exclusively at Target for a movie event that never happened. Yeah. And this from the first movie? Uh, no, this is from the fourth movie, from Age of Extinction. Okay. Also known as that movie with the dinosaurs where they never use the term Dinobot ever. Yeah. Where Optimus tells them farewell and calls them brave warriors. Brave warriors. I don't know. Or how about Dinobots? Mm -hmm. uh, just saying. Wild animals that we rode into combat. Yeah. Just just saying. You might call them. I mean, if you, I know you can't name them for God's sake. Don't say Grimlock on film. But uh Dinobot? You think you could squeeze that in? No? Fine. Why can't you say Dino? Uh, why can't you say Grimlock on film? They didn't. They should have. They never named any of them. They didn't even say what they were other than brave warriors. But Optimus was distracted by wondering where his silver knight armor went. Because it was supposed to be here. Huh? In uh, Optimus's defense, he was stuck in a really crappy movie. Yeah, it's probably true. He was uh, he was still kind of feeling bad about killing Fraser and all, so yeah, I get it. He did not seem to feel bad about that for one second. He seemed to like that a little bit, yeah. Optimist sociopath there, but that's a whole that's a whole other episode. Uh, yeah, that's somebody else's role playing game to worry right? about, right? 
Optimus, that's strengths of Optimus Prime, endless bloodlust. That's good. <laughs> it must be the movie version. <laughs> but no, that's interesting about the, the flaming sword. Uh, I'm going to guess the one slight insight, maybe, why it didn't catch more eyeballs or raise more eyebrows is just the angle of the sword, right? If it was up with the flame obviously bursting off of it, right. I think people would have noticed more. But down at that flatter angle, it doesn't it doesn't scream on fire, which is not bad. Uh, I just think that's that's maybe why you didn't get as many eyebrows raised as you might have expected. It looks like more of a reflection from from the image yeah. that we've seen of the book. It looks good. I'm not ripping on it. This is I love the cover. I only would have made one change. Duke is throwing horrific right on that guy. Man. Right? Forget it. <laughs> That's Superman saying, punch. He's not getting up anytime soon. Well, I also like that. Like you can imagine that they've got some kind of like a pincer move going where Scarlet and Snake Eyes feed a guy to Duke and then he knocks him out. Mm -hmm. Just clobbers him. Yeah, that guy, that guy dove for the combo, Snake Eyes, Scarlet, Spear kind of thing, and they just uh olayed him and pow! Forget it. <laughs> Uh, so this art is by Steve Morris. We've got some more Steve Morris art. So do you want me to skip ahead and we can talk art, or do you want to talk about miniatures? Let's let's go ahead and talk about miniatures first. All right. So this is something that I only know information about as a fan. I uh, knew that we were developing miniatures, and other than that, I really did not see anything or hear any development about it until Renegade Con. So anything that I'm talking about now is not... Inside information is just stuff that was revealed at the convention. But uh, if I recall right, we are getting a 12-pack of miniatures. All of them are Joes, so these are meant to be the player characters. They are based on actual G.I. Joes, of course. So if you just want to collect them, paint them, you can do that. Uh, or if you want them to represent your character, you can totally do that. So of the 12 figures that are in the package, we know eight of them, and we saw eight of them. Here we've got digital renderings of Scarlet and Duke. And then on day two, Elisa revealed uh, Gung Ho, who we will see a picture of later. Uh, Bazooka, who I do not have a good screen tap for. Uh, and actually, we never even got a good look at him because he's got the bazooka covering most of his head. And she always had him at this side angle. So <laughs> you, you saw elbows, you saw bazooka, but you didn't see, you know, bazooka. Uh, and then a character that I was surprised made the cut was Cover Girl. So she is probably going to be our, like, iconic driver character. Um and it's probably also just to get more representation in there. We have more female characters represented. So uh, those are characters that we do not have uh, screen caps of, but uh, you know, pictures of them exist. And then we, uh, the next day, Daddy Louie was doing a live painting. He was doing a live painting of Gung Ho. And he also showed off uh, 3D printed versions of some of these figures. So these ones will not have the same detail as the Gung Ho figure that he painted or of the 3D renderings, because these were kind of done in shop. They are not samples of the product, but it gives you an idea of the pose and what to expect. So here's uh, Snake Eyes. We've got Lady J. She's probably the one that he kept going on and on about how cool her details were, and it never really showed on camera. So that's one of the ones I'm really looking forward to seeing in person, uh, but also a character I'm very happy made the cut because Lady J was one of, one of my favorites growing up. Then we've got Jinx, and this is one of her later looks. So it's not her iconic... Uh, red uh, red gi. It's uh, more like the Valor versus Venom, Venom, where it had the um, I'm forgetting the name of that type of outfit. But uh, anyway, more of a, a casual Japanese influence. 
-hmm. And then, sorry, I don't know why my screen's not, uh, there we go. So there's Gung Ho at the end of an hour of painting by a professional painter. So uh, <laughs> give him a day and he could have made that pop even more, but you can see the level of details. You can see what is going on here and that it really captures Gung Ho as a character and his classified look. Yeah, that's great. Like even the the mustache, right? Like, come on. Oh, you gotta have the mustache. No, I'm just saying the the talent to be able to pull off the mustache oh, yeah. and not make it look like a COVID mask. <laughs> <laughs> like, bravo, very impressive. Mister Shaky Hands up here. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> that's why I'm the lazy bastard customizer. Not touching no paint. Maybe a sharpie. In theory. In theory. In theory. In theory. So yeah, so we we know eight of the 12. Uh, for the last four, I would speculate that we're probably going to get Roadblock because he's the only cover character that we haven't seen a miniature for. I suspect Doc, just because as far as roles on a team in a role-playing game, Medic or like some kind of support character would be important. And then I, I figure probably Shipwreck and like Ace or Wild Bill so that you've got Air Force and Navy represented as well. Those are just kind of shots in the dark, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if those are all the characters. That sounds like a good mix. Steamroller, ice cream soldier, and armadillo. Hot, hot seat. No. Tiger Force toll booth. I mean, these yeah. are unpainted miniatures. All of them could be Tiger Force if you want them to be. That's, that's true. true. Yeah. That's very true. Tiger Force Doc coming your way from Renegade Games. Nice. <laughs> I uh, I had a chance to make an ice cream soldier reference. And I didn't take it like at Renegade Con. I was talking about the flamethrower, and I could have and thought about listing, you know, blowtorch, charbroil, and ice cream soldier. And then I was like, ah, this is only an hour long panel. And I don't know if I have the time to explain ice cream yeah. soldier to people that might not know who he is. Yeah, I could see that going either way. Like you get your mad street cred from the Joe fans watching, yep. but from the, the standard RPG fans, right? Or the, mainstream gi joe fan they'd be like what did you just say <laughs> just gotta surely drop he's joking yeah you yeah it's like a one drop that one and let them do their own homework yeah it's like a reno 911 meow thing right like you're gonna get away with it or not yeah maybe not <laughs> yeah so viper scout has made a colonel courage reference and colonel courage is a character that i debated also putting into the game so um at one point we've got something called the active roster and it's just a listing of 80 characters that you might interact with. And it's kind of like the, the file card quote blurb where it's just like, these are people you might bump into in the pit. This is their role in the pit. This is their role on the missions. And this is a little bit about their personality. And Colonel Courage actually fits a type of officer character that it's like, that would be handy to have in the game. But I really don't like Colonel Courage. I don't like his name. I don't like that his file card is all about the fact that he wears a tie into battle. But he tucks it in, right? So it's functional. I thought he just loosened it a little bit, I guess, so that he didn't get throttled without a little That's bit cool. of effort. Yeah, because if you're actually going to throw down with Colonel Courage, I mean, you're going right for the tie, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. You're an idiot not to. Yeah. So that That's where you find out it's a clip-on, and he like, he's got gotcha. you. That's a good swerve. I like that. <laughs> So uh, any thoughts or questions on the miniatures? No, I'm 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 anxious to see who fills out the squad. Yeah, and I love the I love the the dynamic posing of them, like Snake Eyes on the move and Jinx sort of striking a pose, but it still looks dangerous. And 
Very, very cool. Matt Rubin asks, will we get to create our own characters? Of course you'll get to yes. create your own characters. <laughs> yeah, if you want to create uh, a gung-ho that's a Marine, go right ahead. It's all up to you. <laughs> Britt Anderson asks, will there be vehicles? Of course there'll be vehicles. Ryan, now, talk hold about on a second. Yes, there will be vehicles, but that was almost something that because this book was supposed to be about 250 pages and our turnover was about 400 pages. And so vehicles were the kind of thing that are like, maybe we save this for an armory book, but no vehicles are both in the, uh, the Cobra section as uh, enemies that you could fight and in the Joe section. And uh, we've got a whole chunk of vehicle rules. What you do if you're on a vehicle and you're not in control, we've got rules for like um, autopilot that could give you assistance while you're driving um, rules for if you need multiple drivers for a single vehicle, but you only have the one driver, uh, all kinds of things like that. So it ends up, yes, vehicles are in there. It is a big chunk of the rules. It is probably the, a crunchier part of the rules. So, um, we've got like a sample adventure in the, uh, the, the, in the core rule book, and there is a vehicle section in it, but it's kind of optional depending on how the adventure goes. And if the GM is like comfortable handling vehicle rules yet because if you're a brand new player you might want to do an adventure without vehicles and then kind of work your way up to vehicles excellent i saw there were some other questions you i could field some questions before we move on and talk about art uh let's go ahead and get we'll get to the art because i, I want to get everything that you have and then we'll come back and get get uh, viewer questions at the end of that so if you have a ton of questions guys just hold off on them for now let's get through the the art and then then Ryan, we'll take as many of your questions as we have time for. All right. So I mentioned the cover was done by Steve Morris. And if I didn't mention it, the cover was done by Steve Morris. Steve Morris also did some of the interior art. And this is one of the examples. So this, I believe, is going in the origin section. And it's talking about the different divisions of the military you could be from. And that's why we've got Ace in his Valor versus Venom look, Duke in his classified look, and Shipwreck in his classic look with just minor updates. Um I have seen some people speculating that because this shipwreck art is here that we might be getting a shipwreck action figure. And I should just say that we've got characters from like all points of uh, the different, like uh, G.I. Joe's main history. Um, and so just because a character shows up in the art here does not have any reflection of whether we're getting them in the classified line. If a character is in the classified line, we went with their classified line. Otherwise it was just the artist or uh, trivia as an art director on the project choosing which of their looks to go with for example like we're not getting the classic hiss look we're getting the hiss i want to say four but the one that came out actually the one that uh the sound wave or the shockwave hiss version so uh we're, we're getting a, a different variety of art and inspiration from throughout the line and this is a great example of just how the different characters from different points in gi joe's history show up in the book and if you're dying to know what classified figures are coming in the next oh six to eight months just we check out our podcast from a couple weeks ago, and yeah, it's a pretty good layout. So, what you're saying here, Ryan, is you're confirming shipwreck. Yeah. Oh, didn't didn't I say the opposite of that a lot? <laughs> Nobody listens to you. Oh. I told everybody to hold off on questions, and what did they start? They start writing questions. Right. <laughs> nobody nobody <laughs> pays attention to what's actually said. So, Philip Donnelly and Chad is saying the DTC hiss. No, that's the one that Soundwave was made of. I meant to say the one uh, Shockwave is made of which is the one with, like, the armored canopy. Yes. Anyway, yeah. there's a lot of hisses. Yeah. Go on. All right. Next More up, arts. another piece by Steve, uh, by Steve Morris. This I call uh, the Faces of Law and Order, because that is Agent Faces that is doing a sketch of Major Blood there. 
And then that is uh, Law and Order, who are checking out that screen. Really just kind of getting a feel for Major Blood. I love the way Order is looking at the screen like he has any right. idea what's going on. <laughs> he's totally tuned in. No, he's a good boy. He's like, so that's who I bite, right? I bite that guy? Yes, you do. I'll get his other eye. Yep. So I am super excited that Faces made it into art because it's like I, I did my active roster and I narrowed it down to 80 characters and I included characters like Faces because I, I tried to include a couple of the mail-aways just because I think that they're interesting points in G.I. Joe history. And um, so Faces was one of those characters. And when uh, Trivia was giving me a lot of the art briefs that they had come up with, uh, for the most part, it was really like Sunbow characters and that era of characters. And so I really wasn't expecting to see the the as much variety to the character selection in the art. So I was very surprised when Faces ended up being this prominent character in this look. And a lot of people didn't even recognize it because, you know, it's shot from the side and just some people were guessing that was Faces and also then saying like, it couldn't be Agent Faces, could it? But it's Faces. And Agent Faces is based name and facially off a guy, a Hasbro employee who's still there. So, I didn't know that. Yeah, Mick, pa Mick Paulino. So... Uh, I thought it was going to be like Dave Faces. No, no, Mick Pellino, but uh, uh, a good guy. And obviously a guy who's shown some survivability and adaptability. So good for him. Because, yeah, Faces came out. Yeah. It's been a while for Agent Biden. Yeah, and he worked, on, he worked on the Joe line quite a while ago. Um, he's not on the line now. He's moved on. Well, moved on and up. But uh, good for Mick getting in the book. Shout out to Mick. Hey, Mick, can you sign my agent faces picture? <laughs> well, and that's Bazigian in the background, right? Oh, yeah. So I don't know who the dog's based on, but okay. Order. Probably. He's a good boy. Right. Another artist we've got working on the book is Robert Atkins, and I am super excited that Robert Atkins is working on this because when I think G.I. Joe, like, through like a modern lens, Robert Atkins is the person that can really capture the like gonzo nature of some of the original designs, but also bring them up and just make them look incredibly cool. And Dr. Mindbender with his suspenders, abs, and codpiece is the perfect example of a character that just no and yet yes. <laughs> I love that the codpiece is so heavy that he needs metal straps to hold it up, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's a man right there with his 14-pack. Now who's in who's in the uh, back to tank behind him there? Who do you want to be in the back to hang tank behind him? Ice cream soldier. It's ice cream soldier. Hey! <laughs> Looks or, like he's yeah, ready. just some generic viper. He's ready to wrestle the uh, slaughter for the big the time. WA belt in nineteen eighty six in that picture. Good lord! Yeah, my bender's jacked. He must work out. <laughs> it's just the tension. <sighs> it's like someone made fun of his monocle or his boots or his codpiece and he's like hulk smash it's a mistake it's a mistake i love the accuracy of the weird probe thing Calibron. yeah that he came that he came with originally right that's outstanding so when I was statting out a lot of the Cobras, I was going to 3D Joe's and just making sure any of the accessories that are explained or named that I was trying to get like as accurate to the original figures as I could. And so his his torture devices, whatever, I don't remember what they're called now, 
but uh, the attacks were named after the, the the proper toy accessory that he came with. That's great. And here to finish things up, we've got a CG, uh, Crimson Guardsman. Uh, we've got a whole section on the Crimson Guardsman so that if you are running uh, an extensive Enterprises-focused adventure, you can have cadets, you've got some Crimson Guard Immortals, and you're going to have just a whole ton of the Crimson Guardsmen who uh, are a higher threat level than your average Viper, as they should be. And uh, also have like all kinds of rules for their double lives and stuff. I think like the cadet has like double life, and then the crimson guardsman has like double career, and then the uh, crimson guard immortal is like I don't know something even grander than a career. <laughs> it's not I, a job; it's an adventure. I forgot to mention uh, a second ago when you mentioned Robert Atkins. Totally on board. Like I think awesome. he's just for for modern art. Uh, Atkins and uh, Jamie Sullivan, I just think are through the roof. So I got mad respect for those two guys and for lots of the current Joe artists, but those two guys, that's, that's top shelf. I think. So that is it for my slides. All right. We'll roll right into some questions here. Phil Donnelly asks again, was some of the art taken from the old battleground mobile game? So, uh, when we were originally discussing what we were going to do with art, I let them know about the Battleground mobile game, showed them a whole bunch of samples, and they were like, wow, these would be perfect. We could really use these as placeholders. We can base rules around knowing what assets we have. We just have to get in touch with Hasbro, see who owns this art, and see if we can access to it. And it was months of not hearing back from Hasbro about whether we had the rights to use it, and eventually them just saying, as much money as this would save us and as awesome as this would be, no, we don't have access to any of the Battlegrounds art. Ooh. So Viper Scout asks, will there be cross-game compatibility? Will we see Mobat versus Megatron? So yes, there will be cross-game compatibility. Uh, one of our early play tests was each team developed a, a fourth-level character of their brand, and then we all fought a Power Rangers villain. And what I really appreciate about that is that it meant I could just focus on getting a whole bunch of the recognizable characters as the threats in the, the threat section at the back of the book. And if you want something like wacky or some kind of giant mutant, like a mega viper, you can go to Power Rangers and look at their threats and be like, yeah, all right, that's about like a bio viper. We can use that uh, in this combat. And likewise, if you want to have... Uh, to the sea legs, some kind of giant robot show up. You can go to the Transformers book. You can try and find something that's approximately the right threat level and uh, throw your Joes at it. And Joes have weapons that would be good against Transformers, like uh, EMP stuff and anti-armor attacks. So that those options were not written specifically for the interaction with Transformers. But when they were written, Transformers was also written with that in mind, that it's like, you know, a Joe could be specialized as a Transformer Hunter, and this is how it would work out. So make sure you keep that in mind when you're designing Transformers rules. There's not necessarily, like, some people have said, like, oh, can I make Optimus Prime a Red Ranger? And it's like, we don't have those rules yet. You could cherry pick, like, you could definitely take influences from any of the books when you're curating your character, because that's, like, the most brand agnostic. Although, you know, some of them are brand specific, like green shirts is an influence in this one. If you were a, a green shirt and spent some time with the Joes before you actually became a member of the Joes, you get certain influences uh, when you are lending assistance. So um, that's an influence that you probably only want to use for a G.I. Joe character. But if you have all three books, you do have a greater access to character creation options. And especially as a GM, more toys that you can play with. 
Matt Rubin asks, will the game be available to play online via Roll20 or Fantasy Battlegrounds or some such? Yes, it will be. In fact, we have a partnership with Roll20. That, that is where you will be able to get the digital assets for the game and you will be able to play it with friends across the world. Where I think it's going to be important. I don't know just how many people have a local group of people that are as big into these brands as they are, but I definitely know like enough people to get together and fill a table for a G.I. Joe Transformers, probably even a Power Rangers game, uh, even though that's not quite, you know, my age group and, and uh, level of interest. But yeah, Roll20, I think, is really going to be an asset when it comes to filling up tables and getting this game actually played. Well, and, and we all hope, you know, that the pandemic subsides, you know, quickly, but on the off chance that it doesn't, the ability to pull up a chair at your own house and play these games with your best friends, no matter where they are, uh, is definitely a big pull. So I dig that. Yeah. Well, and actually just over the last year, uh, people have gotten so good at Roll20 as a tool that a lot of people, when they've started to get together for home games, have like just TVs built into their tables and they're running Roll20 for the local group. They're doing these hybrid things. So if mm -hmm. if you uh, if you are good at Roll20, you are going to be able to use that whether you're uh, playing at home or you know on the internet. Adam Cusick asks three questions. Will we get to play Cobra? That's one question. That's one question. He's got the other two coming. Okay. So uh, what I can say is that in addition to the core rulebook and the products we've shown, we've announced that there will be an adventure called Operation Cold Iron. We've announced that there will be a GM screen and it will come with an adventure and that there are more books to come. Seems hmm. legit. Hmm. What? Question two, when will we get Cobra miniatures? Question three, any Steel Brigade references for player characters? Probably not. Uh, I don't know when we're getting Cobra miniatures, but I believe the idea is that first you get the PCs, then you can get the, the NPCs. And so I think Cobra miniatures would sell really well, especially if army builders were packed together. Um, I, I don't know the timeline uh, for that. I do know that the miniatures are coming after the core rulebook. So uh, the core rulebook, again, is targeted for February. And then I think June is when you can expect those miniatures. And then future miniatures will be further into 2022. So uh, I believe Cobra of Miniatures is like on the docket, but I don't know what the plans are there. Uh, Steel Brigade references? No. Uh, which is a shame. I would have loved to have included Steel Brigade references, but... Hasbro does not currently own the rights to Steel Brigade, and uh, it just became a weird space. Plus, people that know G.I. Joe know that that Creator Joe was the Steel Brigade, but people that don't know G.I. Joe just remember him as the you-can-be-a-G.I.Joe figure, and so it's not even a reference that would be universally understood. And mm -hmm. it's not something I could explain in context of the game. It's like, this is a G.I. Joe who joined the group because he mailed away for it. Like, I don't know how I would do anything beyond just Steel Brigade is a division of reservists. I, so, I don't no, think they didn't make the cut. I, I totally agree with you. I don't think you have to have it. You'd actually have to explain it to a big yeah. chunk of the people who are going to play it. But if they, if they decide they really want it, I actually know the guy. Um, if Hasbro wants to license <laughs> it. I got a feeling that's a conversation that nobody wants to hear. No, I want to hear it. That's the whole point, right? Will there be Honda Lou and Satin? Oh, God. If you want. 
there's an influence called artisan. So if you, and uh, there's civilian origins. So if uh, you want the next level of their lives with their association with GI Joe to be becoming active members of GI Joe, it's up to you. All right. Go, go make them. So we do al also have a, a bonus post-sock question. Oh. Uh, if, if you don't mind, we, since we have King of the post-sock on the show, we kind of have to have post-sock, right? Yes. So uh, that question is, rank the motorized action packs first from worst to best, then from most insane to most practical. Now compare the lists. And that is from Ryan Costello via yeah. email. You waited until I had to do this question. <laughs> you don't have to answer it if you don't want to. I mean, it's so demanding. There were a lot of motorized action packs, right? Really? There were. There were like two waves of eight or two waves of six. I was like, here we, here you go, smart guy. I'm going to throw your own question <laughs> at you. How do you like that one? How do you like them apples? I love them apples. I love the action packs. <laughs> I think I was well, – what year did those come out? 87 was the first year. Yeah, 87 and Okay, so I was still into buying everything I could, and I did not buy any action Oh, packs, you so. missed out. So they were one of the few things that that I actually looked at, and probably because they were not expensive, likely had the money for a, a couple of them at least at some point, and just went, you know what, good. <laughs> I don't need those. I had, the, I had the GI Joe helicopter pack. Yep, that's the best I one. The, I had the Cobra rope walker, which I thought was a pretty functional one. Um, my I love that in the commercial, the rope walker has the crocodile. Like Crocmaster is using it as a backpack, and the crocodile is just in the hammock that's hanging underneath it. Yes. <laughs> and uh, my younger brother had the radar station, which I thought was also pretty, pretty useful. So, but some of them were were really, really pretty silly. Really silly. Mm -hmm. Like the Earth Borer was one that I just had. Just no. No. But you know, the Crockmaster is also using that on the package art, and he looks so cool just drilling into the ground. It's it's not a practical way to get underground, but it's still no. I, I love that art that depiction of Crockmaster. Probably just ma he's making a swimming pool, probably for the crocs, right? Nest for his croc is what I'm. Yeah, thinking. he's a caring kind of dad. I like the one with the salad tongs because I figured Roadblock could use that. You know, when he's prepping Caesar salad for the whole crew. I don't know what you're talking about. Axe seems a little overthought. Yeah, the Dreadnought yeah. Axe is the worst. Was that just a, a yeah, Atlanta Braves sort of with an axe that comes overhead and would just graze a guy if he's standing completely still and is exactly your height? <laughs> and then there's uh, Action Figure Expert. The pom-pom gun is the, the best father by the small Cobra copter. I don't know what he's saying there, but pom-pom guns. <laughs> My my younger brother actually had that one too, so the the pom pom guns weren't that bad. Yeah, worked all of the machine gun ones were pretty good. Yeah, they worked better as backpacks than they did as action stations or whatever you want to call them. But uh, yeah, why why did he space out Cobra? That's freaking me out. I don't know. Uh, GI Joeberg, welcome to the podcast. Uh, my detector's got to be the most practical, and it's a great little drone. Agreed. That was Tripwire. Tripwire hates it though, right? You know, I was having a discussion with somebody about Tripwire's accessories because he comes with mines. And one idea is like, like he's he's not the mine deploying guy. He's not finding his own mines. So was that backpack supposed to be for a Cobra guy to be deploying mines for Tripwire to find? 
But Tripwire's Minesweeper plugs into his backpack. The mines go in. So I don't understand Tripwire's accessories. Yeah, be really be unless he's planting mines to keep himself a job, right? Right. Like, put one. Or here he's like, well, there's no mines here. They're yeah, they're what they are. They're fake mines. So he can be like, hold up, hold up, go over there. And then he's like, look, this could have been you. I'll just throw it on the backpack here. Somebody I was talking to suggested that they weren't mines. That he's just really into extreme frisbee. And Ooh. I countered that they were mines, and he's into extra extreme frisbee. <laughs> I like the idea that he would find a mine and just slam it on his backpack and then stack <laughs> them, right? I'll just stack them on top of each other. What's the worst that could happen? Let's go ahead and make the turn into the final stretch and get into what we got in. Uh, Ryan Costello, you're our guest, buddy. What'd you get in the last couple of weeks? I got nothing in. I've been going... so. My area has been swimming in Cobra Commanders and Destro, uh, not Destro, um, Roadblocks from the Classified line. And uh, I don't know if you can see, I cleared up some space in my uh, my Cobra Dio, and I had the idea that I would get a Classified Cobra Commander, paint it gold, and have it as like this massive statue in the middle of the basement. So, of course, as soon as I get that idea, suddenly there's no Cobra Commanders in any of the Toys R Us around me. <laughs> so I've been doing a lot of shopping, but not a lot of buying. All right, we'll, I'll see if I can help you out with that. Oh, cool, thank you. Now we're talking. Help you out with that. Because if, if there's one figure that we occasionally see out on the pegs out this way, that's the guy, Cobra Commander. Mm, it's not Roadblock? It is not Roadblock, because Cobra oh, Commander is the one that, that they put out. When he showed up in Wave 2, he was half of the case, and then they put him out again in Flint Lady J's case, and so there's just... There's Cobra Commander upon Cobra Commander upon Cobra Commander, so um, they're out there. I don't know where they where they get to, but somebody has to be buying them. But if if I ever see one out there, it's Cobra Commander. In Cobra. in fairness, though, balancing waves is pretty hard. <laughs> it's not hard at all. It really, isn't. It's not hard. It's not hard at all. Mark Weber, what'd you get in? Well, this is this is dumb because it's not even there anymore. Uh, but I got uh, I'm getting a little more obscure here. But it's the Sonic Boom tank, right? I got that a couple weeks ago, but I'm saving it for something else. And it was missing an interior wheel from inside the non-moving treads, so it only had three good rolling wheels. So this week I got in a Sonic Boom tank tread, and I've already bogarted the yellow wheel off the inside to make my uh, my Sonic Boom tank uh, functional. And it's kind of a shame because it's got it's in pretty good shape. It's got all the Street Fighter stickers all over it, and I'm going to peel every one of them off because <laughs> it's never going to be a Street Fighter tank for me. I like it because it looks, even though it is a chunk neon yellow, it's pretty good all, drab olive green and, and uh, dark, dark gray tracks. Pretty good little... G.I. Joe-ish tank. It's the Cobra Paralyzer in less paralyzing colors. Uh, and I dig it. So uh, now it rolls. Now I can get to uh, de-stickering it and making it a little more Joe-worthy. So, But that's it. It was a light week. Next week will be better. Does the Paralyzer have foot pegs? Like, or is it just the driver? As far as like compliments. Uh, to put on it? Yeah. I think it's just the, uh, just the driver, but Hang on. While, while Mike tells us what he got, I'll take a look. Well, Actually, Ryan, we'll go back. I want to catch one last question because it's a good one that you can answer. Yes. As a fellow Canadian, is there a chance that G.I. Joe and the role-playing game will be less America-centric? And more yes. So, 
international being international and having uh, just a diverse roster were two of the goals when I was putting together the the um the active roster list and so uh backstop no surprise made the list skymate made the list basically any international character other than uh the Russian characters because we were saving those for the October guard and the, the Russian characters seem to also be October guards like uh Red Star and Big Bear so there was kind of like just I didn't know how to use them exactly, but uh, yeah, we have uh, a, a anyway a, a decent selection of non-Americans with a little bit of oh Big Ben's in there with a little bit of explanation of like yes GI Joe is an American unit, but because it's so international, you need all of these affiliates in other countries so that you can you know gain access to their land for for different missions because Cobra's a global threat and it requires a global response. And I am glad he asked that question. Ah, there we go. So, right here, spinning around on the back. Foot pegs. Oh, they're perfect. For two guys to ride along and then, like, the least protective canopy since the Howl. Like, <laughs> you can take a I break. I that's got to be tied for first with about 50 other tanks. Right? They were looking at it. They were looking at how close the missiles and the weapon fire over the guy's head. And CoverGirl was like, I don't see a problem with that. And then they were look. They were looking at the protection of the canopy, and Sergeant Slaughter's like, "That's a man's tank right there. That's got triple T written all over it." Cr cross country is not impressed, right? But down here, as you can see now, four little yellow wheels, whereas last week it was only three. So go get them. Not entirely understand what was missing. So yeah, yeah. you've shown me now. I yeah, yeah, it's those little interior wheels there that actually kind of make it roll. So. I'm glad they. I'm glad on, especially on a, on the undercarriage, on a totally olive green and dark gray. They decided to make the wheels neon yellow. So you don't lose so, them. Well, I suppose, or so you totally lose the illusion of the tread. Like, but fine. It's a Street Fighter toy. I can't be too. Uh, can't be too picky. But uh, what I got in, there's a story behind it. Uh, back a couple of weeks ago, when Target made the Vipers available again <laughs> I, I put in to get a viper and um and 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 i went you know of course we've moved recently so i went and changed my address for the order and instantly got a message that my order was canceled my order was also canceled and the person that i was having it shipped to did not move they just decided to cancel my beachhead and viper order yeah mine too that's what caused my target divorce back in february so I, I went and uh, I went and, and and just kind of huffed and puffed about it and and uh, the, you know they they gave me the same treatment they gave me the gift card you know and and so okay fine so I waited and a few weeks later it came up on the website again and so I ordered a Viper and so that one on Saturday this this past Saturday I got a message that it had been delivered by UPS. And I, you know, I was, I was out when it happened. I was like, oh, great. When I get home, Viper will be there. So I get home and I, I check by the front door and there's nothing there. And I look upstairs and in, in the hallway and there's nothing there. I look downstairs in the hallway. There's nothing there just to be thorough. I go out to the mailbox where sometimes they drop small packages and sometimes they don't, there's nothing there. So I, I get on UPS's website with the tracking number and they said, yeah, this is, this is one of ours. Uh, and it says it's been delivered. And we'll get a hold of, you know, we'll, we'll look for it. 
Um, but, um, but chances are it's just gone. So you might want to get a hold of who you bought it from. So I, I go back to target. Of course, the Viper is not available anymore. And they're like, well, we can give you a refund. And I'm like, fine. So I take the refund. Um, so we get to Wednesday, two days ago, refund is in my account, right? It is, it is done. The process is complete. And what shows up at the door <laughs> in a in a US Postal Service shipped target box. So it's not a UPS box, it's not the same package. It's a different package with the same order. So it's a mystery. I, I don't understand what's going on that you now haven't paid for. That I now have gotten for free. Good. I mean good, but <laughs> so so I I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand. I mean, it's it, in a in a world of crazy, terrible. In a world. I bought I bought from Target and didn't get what I wanted. Uh, landscape as as we've experienced in the last year and a half. Um, we, you know, I feel fortunate that the went the ball bounced my way in this particular case, but. I don't understand why. So don't, please don't hate me. Uh, don't be too terrible in the comments. Uh, we're going to try not to. This is actually the whole purpose of, of getting this Viper was to send it off to the honcho. Oh. In, 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 in thanks for his sending me a beachhead way back in the day. Ah, what a deal. And, and to sidestep his target boycott. So that, that was the plan from the beginning. So now, Mark gets to have a Viper. Hey, I appreciate so, it. Again, Target's madness has now evened out a little bit. Right. Worked in our favor. Right. In, so they've kind of got, they've, they've tried to take that check out of the box for you in mm -hmm. their own weird cosmic way. Right. I don't understand what's going on here. Sometimes it's just, sometimes it's just good to be what's on Joe mind, I guess. I don't know. And uh, and kudos to Target for really figuring out this how to order how to deliver things to people who pre-ordered them sort of conundrum they've had so much trouble with. Yeah, I, again, it, it, UPS tracking number, like UPS had the number. They they didn't say, "Oh no, this isn't this isn't our package." No, no, right. it it's it said from the very beginning. It said it was going to be shipped UPS, and now the one that comes in the mail has a postal service. I don't get it. And then, and the numbers are totally different, right? Yes. Completely different. Target. So, yeah. So there, there you go, Mark Weber. Hey, I appreciate it. We'll get that in the mail to you at some point this week, but. Well, and I appreciate target uh, looking out for me. Finally, <laughs> in a very weird and haphazard and not planned way. Look it by proxy. And, and, you know, now that I have or I'm going to have my Viper that I should have had through the grace of Mike Irizarry, maybe I've been too hard on Target. You know, maybe, nah, forget it. Screw you, Target. <laughs> Never going to happen again. So there you go. Get your together, Target. It's accidentally free Viper. As a as a result of all the trouble that you've been put through, man. I, well, I do appreciate it. Thank you. And the target, 
you still suck. <laughs> Maybe more, right? I mean, this worked out. The good guys won here, so I'm very pleased about that. But let's not pretend like this is some uh, tremendous effort or improvement on target's fault. Oh, it's not a target win. No, no. It is uh, another example of the basic problems they're having, apparently, with, well, let's take a poll here. Uh, everybody. <laughs> everybody. So, yeah. way to go. So, again, I... I Take that story for what it's worth, everybody. Don't don't hate too hard, but it's just I'm I'm confused. I'm Man. confused. Brian Lang is ominous. Right. Remember, <laughs> shift one more time. Yeah. You stop it. You stop it, you. He's this time keeping it, he's he, keeping it real. It is just me taking it to the the, the Indianapolis post office and drop it in a box that says honcho. Right? Maybe FedEx. Shows up by carrier pigeon. <laughs> right? Maybe FedEx. Maybe FedEx. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. That's that's all I had coming in this week. It was a, it was kind of a busy week here at the old What's on Joe Mind compound. But uh, let's let's move into shout outs. Brian Costello, you gotta have a ton of shout outs after last week's event. Oh, so I did have a shout out and it was not related to last week's event. So I guess shout out to the Renegade Game Studios team and specifically Elisa Teague for giving me this job because, uh, boy, I don't know what I would have done if there was a G.I. Joe role-playing game and I did not get to work on it. Uh, it's defined my last year and it would have been a much different year just morally and just, you know, free time-wise as well if I had not been working on this. But uh, no, I had a, a, a different shout out in mind, but it'll take a little setup if I've got a, a couple of minutes. Sure. All right. So I recently went to see uh, Spirit Untamed in theaters. This is a, kind of a sequel to that animated horse movie Spirit, but it's really more uh, based on the Netflix series. And uh, we were watching the movie and there's one character, Jim, and he starts talking and my daughter's like, that's not Jim because the voice was off. And so I went and I checked who uh, did the voice and it was... Uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and I was like that's that's so funny that they went out of their way to and they paid Mysterio money to hire somebody to not sound like the character that a fan of the show wants to hear like it, it didn't sound right and it it meant that the actual voice actor who did that role did not get a payday out of it like it's it's just lose all around except for you know Jake Gyllenhaal uh, so, and so it just made me appreciate that when Sunbow put those the Transformers and G.I. Joe movies together, that even though they brought in, you know, the Don Johnsons and the Burgess Merediths, they still kept the original cast. And that mm -hmm. when, you know, I was uh, in my late teens, early 20s, and I was nostalgic for watching some Sunbow, that I found a video store that had the movie, I could rent it, and, you know, Duke sounded like Duke, and Hawk sounded like Hawk, and Cobra Commander sounded like Cobra Commander. So it's a shout out to uh, the the people that uh, produced those movies and made sure that the cast that we knew and loved from the Sunbow series was getting the payday and that we as fans were getting to hear the characters as they were supposed to. And that really, like, that, finding that movie, rewatching it then was one of the first steps in me getting into the larger G.I. Joe online community. I always wonder that if, if Sunbow had kept the G.I. Joe license, who would have voiced Don Johnson for the daily show, right? Mm. Cause you remember, you know, Judd Nelson obviously was not 
doing Hot Rod anymore, and Lyle yeah. Standard was not Cup anymore, and Robert Stack was not Ultra Magnus. So in the Transformers, the movie, they all sound like the, the main characters to me, because I'm used to seeing them in the animated series more than the movie, they sound weird in the movie, mm-hmm. just like, like mm-hmm. your daughter said. So I always wonder who they would have gotten to be Falcon, because clearly Don Johnson in 1987 was not going to do a daily kids cartoon. And whoever Deke got just did not care about him sounding at all like Tom Johnson. Well, it, it, it was Deke. They didn't care about much. So, <laughs> who wait? Who was the guy who played Tubbs? He needed work. <laughs> Philip Michael Thomas. Philip Michael Thomas. That would have been fantastic. <laughs> I just remember coming off Miami Vice, like People Magazine or someone did a gigantic article about him and his plans to take over Hollywood. Right. And the title of their article was The Ego Has Landed. Yeah. <laughs> and it didn't a few times. Didn't really work out for uh Philip Michael Thomas. No, no, it did not. Mm. It did not. I, I knew a guy named Phil Thomas once, and I would always call him PMT, <laughs> which was short for Philip Michael Thomas. His middle name was not Michael, but but anyways. Um Mark Weber, who you shout out for? Uh, just one guy this week. It uh, was Bill uh, Nedro's birthday this week, uh, who wrote some of the some of the best GI Joe. Uh, I mean, we say fan fiction. Some of the best GI Joe stories ever written are from the mind and the pen of Bill Nedro, who wrote them for the uh, the Kindle Worlds uh, GI Joe uh, program uh, a couple years ago, and he's also one of the main, if not the only. Uh, author for some of the Valiverse books for uh, Bobby Vallow's Action Force. So huge Joe fan, great guy. Uh, and, you know, I, I hope it doesn't, if it sounds like I'm overselling it, it's not. His stuff was fantastic. So uh, I love what he's done. Look forward to what he's doing down the road. Great guy, good friend. To, was he uh, the one that wrote the stiletto story? Yeah. And it was oh, okay. his... And it was his uh, his new character stiletto that won that uh, contest and got turned into an action figure. So just an absolute role playing game. There you go, great. Uh, just a fantastic guy. And and had I continued on the Joe brand, I would have had Bill more involved with the official GI Joe wow. uh, brand because I think his stuff is that good. So to Bill, happy birthday! Uh, glad to have you in the community. And uh, for, for my shout-outs, we, we started this summer with all kinds of water problems on the West Coast that there wasn't nearly enough of it. And now we have moved into the late summer where there's way too much water on the East Coast. Uh, so to everybody uh, down South and out in the East that are just getting dumped on and flooded through and and just uh, run from the safety of, of house and home, uh, we give a shout-out to everybody there. Uh, one of our our regulars, uh, Sean Russell's in the, the, the live chat tonight. Um, he, he was not at home. He was driven from, from the house down in Louisiana and he is certainly not the only one. So our, our thoughts go out to everybody affected by all the screwy weather in the Eastern half of our country this week. Uh, also want to give a shout out to, uh, rack time, Rob, the, the fourth man, an unsung hero of the what's on Joe mind podcast. Oli, uh, Oli the rock. Uh, give a shout out to Joe Colton, our, oh, yeah. our normal co-host who is out at Dragon Con this week, and hopefully she is wearing a mask. Trapped uh, in a shoe, from what I understood. Right? <laughs> tra- 
<laughs> there's there's always some kind of well there's always adventures that look far more um dangerous and menacing without context at dragon con we'll have to like that's its own segment we might need to just do a special <laughs> midweek joe colton recaps dragon con bit because we wouldn't have time for it all on the live stream and the shoe trap thing was really a fait accompli right i mean have you seen her toes like that was bound to happen sooner or later it just, yeah. the, we, we have all seen her toes yeah uh I have not seen her. I can, you know what? No, I have seen her toes. You have. You've, you've yeah. seen one of them. Yeah. Right. You. If you watched last week, you you saw her toes. Oh yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've seen her toes. <laughs> yeah, they're terrific. You know. So my wife was watching something on her iPad next to me while I was watching what's on your mind on the TV, and she just looked up and was like, "What are you watching?" <laughs> That's it. What's on Joe Mind? Starting uncomfortable conversations <laughs> since, since 11. There you go. That is the best compliment that she could give me right there. Tell, mm -hmm. her, tell her I said that. That is the that is the best I can feel. Anyways, uh, well, I also want to give a shout out to our wonderful sponsors at Kokomo Toys. Uh, let's go ahead and sing the theme song one more time. Kokomo, 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 Kokomo Toys, Toys, Kokomo, 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 Kokomo Toys. Really hit, really hit the post on that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your 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 falsetto in that upper register is just piercing. I love it. I've been, I've been working. I <laughs> uh, want to give a shout out to to our good friend at 3D Joe's Carson Metaxas, uh, who I mentioned before was was a lot of help uh, in getting us getting the Bob Prupus timeline together uh, for our little tribute there. Uh, thank you to Carson, who has just been he has done tireless work, especially the last couple of years as far as preserving the the history and the lineage and the stories of the guys who created the real American hero line that we are still infatuated with some 40 years later. Uh, and of course, uh, to our guest host, Ryan Costello. And actually, can I give you all a shout out for uh, putting off last week's live show so that you weren't competing with a renegade seminar. I really appreciated the gesture there. I, I, no worries, man. I, I I have to admit I made a mistake. You set you put up your schedule, and um, I just I had it in my head. Oh well, he's putting up what's going on on Saturday, and so that you know I'm I'm setting us I'm setting up my time to like well I can I'm gonna I'll be online for this and I'll see this and I'll see this and oh that's Friday. <laughs> So that was, it was very much an audible. I wish I could say that I was just that super thoughtful, but really well, I- the fact that you called the audible was appreciated. <laughs> so, well, so it, I, it, let, it let us draft, right? We don't usually have a lead in audience. So <laughs> outstanding. True, true. We get, we get to, to just coast in on the, the, the back. Not the renegade rub. Yeah. I mean, the shows before us are usually like those hostage video G.I. Joe shows. Yeah, that's and true. Next, we are going to talk about what's going on in this. Uh... I'm glad you gave an example because I had no idea what you meant by a hostage oh, video G.I. Oh, Joe yeah. show. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, they're, not, they're not good. <laughs> what's important is, Mark, you're not bitter. Well, what, I, what do I got to be bitter about? <laughs> Come on now. I'm living a dream. I've got to use that a whole bunch tonight, and that makes me also very happy. Hey man, at least I, at least I'm consistent, right? <laughs> it, again, snarky Mark and the and the spunky bunch. Yep, still bitter, still hate Target. We're good. Roll <laughs> camera. 
That about wraps it up for us here at What's On Joe Mind. Uh, remember, if you want to reach out to us, we are at any number of the social media outlets that you see in the 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 the, uh, the description box below. Uh, if you want to pre-order the fine games available, we didn't even talk about the deck building game. We went almost. I didn't work on the deck building game, so I could have only talked about it as a fan. Sure, it's, prob- it's probably great, but the lack of Costello makes it questionable. I will send that <laughs> review to Renegade. There you go. We will have to. It, we're giving it the official wait and see. Yeah, a lot of Atkins artwork in that deck, as I'm. Yes, as I yeah. understand. I think he did it. more so art for the deck building game than he did for the RPG. Yeah, Atkins is big time. Top shelf, Robert Atkins. Don't start going into detail when I'm winding it up, man. Not now. Ah, whatever. <laughs> that reminds now, me of a story. Now <laughs> it's time for the news. Do 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 do. <laughs> for. For my co-host, Mark Weber, for our special guest host, Ryan Costello, co-author of the G.I. Joe role-playing game from Renegade Games, available this February. Pre-orders down below. Go click there now. Yes. And make sure to catch the AEW pay-per-view this Sunday when Honda Lou and Satine take on TJ Storm and Trivia Fox in a steel cage. It's going to be a good match. Satine. Whatever. Anyways, I'm your host, Mike Irizarry. Thanks for joining us here on the team stream. We will catch you next Friday. You have a great weekend. Get vaccinated. Wear your mask. Let's stay safe out there and get this over with. Stop pointing. Rest of the weekend. Happy that's Labor my, Day, everybody. That's my thing. Beer. <laughs>